Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Season 4, Episode 7 of Seeking Sister Wife, Roses Are Red, But Not on the Bed. The episode opens with the Merrifields. They are checking out the progress of their new house. Garrick and Danielle meet Danielle's parents to check things out. And Garrick, in his nasally monotone voice, lets viewers know They've been working on their new house for over a year, and it's been a long journey. The home is designed specifically for a plural family to accommodate Roberta and Garrick's future babies and even possibly a third wife. For now, it will be Roberta, Garrick, Danielle, and their two boys, plus the family dog in the house, plus Danielle's parents, who have their own little apartment on the property, so Garrick and Danielle can be close to them and help them as they age. Danielle points out Garrick's room is right above them, and on Garrick or Roberta's night with Garrick, they will spend that night in Garrick's room. Danielle thinks it will be an adjustment to not have Garrick in bed with her every night, but she has always been really close with her friends, so the sharing a room thing with her sister wife is exciting to her because Her bedroom will be on her nights with Garrick, and then on her nights not with Garrick, she will be sharing a room with her sister wife that will have two beds in it, so she won't even have her own room. Danielle says Garrick has his own room as the head of the house and king of the family. Garrick mentions how he doesn't know if they get a third wife, if she will want her own room or not, and Danielle suggests at that point they might have moved on to another home. Danielle's mom suggests they could just get bunk beds in the sister-wife bedroom. I have a feeling Danielle's parents know how ridiculous this all is. The guest room is also going to be the nursery. Danielle says the best case scenario would be Bert there and her getting pregnant right away. While Garrick, Roberta, and Danielle are simultaneously dating a third wife. And Danielle doesn't get pregnant. That's her best case scenario. Wow. Danielle wants Roberta to arrive and spawn immediately while also dating a third potential sister wife as they are all still adjusting to the new dynamic and Roberta is also adjusting to a new country and a new life and a pregnancy and battling the emotions of a potential third sister wife entering the family. That sounds totally reasonable. What a way for Danielle to show her sister wife, Bert, that she cares. Garrick is mentioning that there would be a safe play area for the baby, and Danielle suggests Garrick could fit two babies in there. I totally feel like Danielle is trolling Garrick with all of this. Garrick wonders if he'll have twins, and Danielle says there are pros and cons to Roberta immediately having a baby. She thinks it'll distract her because she will be missing her mom, So a baby would give Bert something to focus on. On the other hand, it'll be hard because they will all be adjusting to life together under one roof and it will bring some challenges. Danielle feels she will take on more of an aunt role with the kids of her potential sister wives. Danielle will help in discipline, but she plans on having a more laid back role. Garrick asks his in-laws how they feel about more babies. And Danielle asks her mom what she thinks about them taking on a potential third wife. Danielle's mom thinks Garrick will get worn out trying to please all of the wives. Emotionally, he'll have trouble 
taking time with each wife and doing things with them as well. Danielle's mom reminds them of all the struggles Danielle went through when she first married Garrick. They had to get used to each other and with the way Garrick is. Danielle had to adjust to the way that Garrick is. She says it's quite an ordeal when you first marry and then adding Roberta and getting used to her and also adding a third wife and adjusting to her, that's a lot. Danielle's dad tells Danielle's mom she makes it sound so encouraging and they both chuckle. I think that they both know this is a stupid idea and that their son-in-law is a selfish asshat. Danielle's mom says there will be a lot of struggles to work out and she is concerned about Danielle's happiness. Danielle's dad says as they walked through the house, they got more of a visual of another wife being there and other babies and children running around. Danielle's mom says it'll be an adjustment for Garrick to find time for his kids and Roberta and Danielle. She thinks that will be a struggle, Garrick finding time for everyone. Danielle says with a plural relationship, the wives have that support for each other and everyone is in it to support each other. Garrick says Danielle has a sister and he has a wife who encourage him from a woman's perspective and he didn't have that benefit when he married Danielle. The look on Danielle's dad's face is like he is praying for the aliens to come abduct him off the planet. He knows this is absolutely ridiculous as does Danielle's mom, obviously. One thing I do like is I think Danielle's parents have the foresight to know this might implode, and if it does, when it does, they will have their daughters back. I think that's the only reason they are tolerating this bullshit at all. They want their daughter to know that they will be there, and I think that's great. If they took the attitude of, we won't accept this, we don't accept this, we hate Garrick, this is not Snow Way, and they strained their relationship with their daughter over it, she then wouldn't communicate openly with them, and then if it fails and she needs support, she won't feel like she can go to them or she will be scared, and there will be lots of I told you so's that she wants to avoid. So I admire the way that Danielle's parents are handling this. I don't think they agree with the lifestyle or think it's best for Danielle, but they know Danielle is going to try it, so rather than cut her off or reject it completely, they are tolerating it to be able to support their daughter if and when she needs it. And I think that's amazing. Garrick asks Scott, Danielle's dad, what he thinks about adding another wife. He says, personally, no thanks. Garrick jokes, Scott could marry Bert's mom as a second wife. And Danielle says, that would be weird. Well, in the Brown family of sister wives, Cody married Janelle, and Cody's dad married Janelle's mom, so it's not so weird in the polygamist world, although to most people, yeah, it's weird. Next up are the Epps family. Marcus asks his wives how they feel about his upcoming date. He's still dating Bina, seeing how things mesh with her, and also how Bina meshes with his fiance and his wife as well. He's also seeing other people too. It's early in the dating process, so Marcus thinks it's best to date around. He wants that cake. He has a date with Janae. Marcus first met Janae when he and Taryn were separated, just before he met India. Janae was gorgeous and friendly. She's a bartender. They exchanged numbers. And Janae disappeared because she moved to Atlanta. 
But Janae and Marcus reconnected when he reached out to her, suggesting they hang out and revisit things since they had a really great connection. Marcus connects with a lot of women and that connection for him is lust. Marcus to me seems like he has narcissistic tendencies in my opinion and an overestimated sense of self. He probably knows how to be charming and he can probably be a chameleon and see what another person wants and be that to charm them. But what he feels is a connection is him feeling he wants that cake. In my opinion only of course. Janae agreed to allow Marcus to fly her in to Orlando for a date. Marcus says the reason he is asking Taryn and India how they feel about this date is because it's different than the Bina situation with somebody from the past. Marcus says Janae is goal-oriented, she's ambitious, she's a hard worker, just like Taryn and Marcus in India, so Janae is a great fit in that regard. Taryn asks how many people Marcus will say he wishes he would have dated if he wasn't married. She wants to know how many people Marcus will want to date. Marcus says they are so concerned about messing up the dynamic, so Marcus can't help but feel dating more familiar people is best for things to work out and move along. When India first heard about Janae, her initial thought was she knew there was history there and it sounds like Janae is the one that got away. Marcus tells India he wants to make sure she's comfortable. India says she is not comfortable, but she wants him to go to feel it out. But she says to know that there was this history there and Marcus feels like this was a connection and he wonders what would have happened if India didn't come along, it's not reassuring for her. Marcus says he gets it, but I doubt he actually does. Marcus wants everyone to be on the same page. Marcus realizes he likes someone because they are dating him. But this is his family and the first step is he has to be attracted to a person and spend time with them. And once he realizes the person could be a fit, the next step in the process is to have them spend some time with India and Taryn. Marcus says there's no need to waste his time if they are uncomfortable because if they are, it won't work. Taryn asks if Janae hadn't moved to Atlanta, if she could be here sitting next to him rather than India. Marcus doesn't know and they will find out tomorrow night, he says, when he takes Janae out. But Marcus doesn't think Janae knows that he is in this lifestyle. Janae doesn't know that Marcus is a polygamist, living a polygamist dynamic right now. Marcus is going to spring that on her, as Taryn points out. Marcus feels he never got the opportunity to take Janae out on a formal date, so he wants to take her out, and then he's going to tell her that he's a polygamist. When Marcus met Janae, he and Taryn were separated, and Janae knew about the separation, but they never had a conversation about him getting back together with Taryn, and they also never had a conversation about how a few months later he started dating India, and now... He and India and Taryn are all living together. She doesn't know about that. Marcus didn't tell Janae initially because he felt she wouldn't fly out if he did. And he also felt like because of their great connection, if he could explain it to her face to face, she might be more inclined to continue in the dating process. He put Janae up in an Airbnb and his plan is to cook for her 
and to make an amazing meal since he likes to cook and that's what he's skilled in apparently. India asks if Marcus will decorate the place and Marcus says he was thinking of putting rose petals on the bed in a heart shape. India insists he won't be doing that. She says he can't do that but he can make a path of rose petals to the table where they will eat if he likes. Marcus asks if India is coming with him and she says yes to make sure there aren't rose petals on the bed because why would there be, she asks. Marcus is backed in a corner, so he deflects. He says he wasn't going to decorate anyway and he gets really defensive. India asks why he would put rose petals on the bed. Obviously, that means sex. And India made clear the time when she is comfortable with sex coming into play is once the wives approve and it is at a point where the person is serious about joining the family and has met the kids with all of the wives and Marcus all on the same page. Marcus tells India she said to decorate. She suggested it. And so he was thinking about what's romantic and he just came up with that. The roses on the bed thing. India asks why Marcus automatically thought about the bed. She tells Marcus the ice is so thin. Marcus responds that if India is not comfortable with this date, he won't go. India explains she gave him the green light because she was comfortable with the date. What made her uncomfortable was Marcus suggesting decorating with rose petals on the bed. Marcus gets pissy. He says he doesn't need to decorate shit. Marcus insists he isn't going to cross any lines on the date. He says one thing he knows about Janae that he is looking forward to is he knows they're going to talk all night. Taryn asks why Marcus says all night and India lets Marcus know he has a curfew of 3.30 and she isn't kidding. India says they say you have to train a man very early on in a relationship. She says she and Marcus established a curfew and for India it's about mutual respect. Marcus explains with the curfew, it's the same thing like with the sex thing. He wants things to happen organically on a date. So things like curfews and stipulations on when sex should happen cramp his organic style. Taryn reminds India that on India's first date with Marcus, they talked all night. And India reminds Taryn that she wasn't in the picture, so Marcus didn't have a curfew regarding when to come home. India explains... Marcus has a family and he has to come home, regardless of if it's a date or not. Marcus assures India he will be home. And India says Marcus shouldn't say he wants her to be comfortable when he keeps saying stuff that makes her uncomfortable. Marcus did know that India felt strongly about when he should be bringing sex into the picture with these women he is dating. And she made clear she wants to have met the person and she wants herself and Taryn to be in approval and on board first. And they have to know it's serious at the point of intimacy. And Marcus argued with India, preferring to have freedom to have sex whenever he wants with whomever he wants, saying it's because he wants the dates to be organic. And India's rules cramp his style. Marcus knows sex is an issue for India, and he still made that remark that he would put rose petals on the bed when he knows his wives haven't even met Janae yet, and they haven't approved its date number one. And Janae doesn't even know he's a polygamist yet, 
and already he is talking about rose petal hearts on the bed, knowing sex is a big issue with India, and her main concern is everyone being on the same page first before any intimacy happens. Marcus's main concern is having dates be organic and eating that cake, shoveling it into his mouth like he's never had food before. Marcus doesn't care if it's organic. He doesn't care if India is comfortable or not. Marcus only cares about cake. This isn't really for him about the lifestyle or his family. This is about Marcus wanting to please himself and his ego above anything else. And it's about him wanting to live as if he is single, wanting as much cake and as many flavors as possible while still being able to keep his family, in my opinion. India thinks she is training Marcus, but if it isn't naturally in Marcus to consider others and have the right priorities, if Marcus can't naturally, consciously know suggesting something like rose petals on a bed won't create an insecurity for India who just had the intimacy discussion with him, then Marcus won't change and he doesn't even want to change and he doesn't care and he shouldn't need to be trained. Marcus is selfish. Marcus is ego-driven, in my opinion. Marcus only cares about Marcus, and he feigns concern for India's feelings by asking, are you comfortable? For show. If she said, I don't want you to go, do we honestly believe Marcus would cancel things with Janae? I also think it's very arrogant to believe because he and Janae have a good vibe and a good connection. She would accept him being a polygamist if he gently massages her with it in person In his mind, Marcus believes he's worth it for this woman to make that sacrifice and take less than she deserves for him so he can eat his cake. Because that's what this lifestyle is about for Marcus, in my opinion. It's about him and his cake, in my opinion. Marcus says India is still in this polygamous family trying to chase monogamy. He says India has to not hold him to a monogamous man's standard, but to the standards of a polygamous man. Marcus says, in the choices he is making and in who he is dating, he is clearly thinking about the family. So India needs to trust that Marcus says now that India, Taryn, and him are making a conscious decision to live this way and add somebody. He wonders at what point he will get the organic process. He says if his conversation with Janae is so great, but at 4 o'clock he gets home and it was a great date with a great story to tell, That should not mean that he is disrespectful or that he disrespected India or Taryn or that he broke the rules. He says he's a grown-ass man. In my opinion, he's a grown-ass man trying to hustle and have his cake, and he's a grown-ass man who isn't willing to prioritize his life and put his family above what his dick wants, in my opinion. Taryn says if it's that late that it's 4 o'clock in the morning when he gets home, Marcus should wait to tell her about things in the morning. And Marcus says he feels like Taryn's sister wife here would want to know right away. He tells India just because he talks to a woman till the sun comes up, it doesn't mean he's ready to dick her down. Marcus says India tells him to date and not to date. Then she tells him have a great time and he will go and he will come back and she will get upset if he has a great time. It's confusing for him, he says. He says it's hard on their relationship Because India watching him fall in love with someone else isn't easy for her. Marcus asks India if she wants him to find another wife or not. She says she guesses not because any other night, Marcus has no issue coming home. And now he is about to start changing that. 
Marcus says it's just talking to a woman that he's excited about going out with. And India says she doesn't care what he is doing or if he is talking to Jesus. Marcus should tell him that at 3 o'clock he needs to wrap it up and come home. I think in the back of her mind, India knows Marcus will get as much as he can out of the situation without considering anyone else. So she tries to make rules to make herself feel more secure and to give Marcus appropriate boundaries regarding what she is comfortable with. And Marcus just wants cake. He doesn't want it to be complicated and I don't think he actually cares if he adds more wives or not. I don't think Marcus cares about this lifestyle. I think Marcus came up with the lifestyle because he wanted to keep Taryn and his family and also his fiance India and he was able to make that work and achieve a decent dynamic luckily. But now he wants more cake while trying to keep his family intact. If this were genuinely about expanding the family and a commitment to the lifestyle, I don't think Marcus would be dating so many women at the same time and I don't think he would be focused on sex. I don't think his interests and his dick would be put ahead of the family. If this was about the family and not Marcus and sex and what he wants, I doubt he'd mind India saying intimacy should come into play only after both she and Taryn approve and the person will be marrying in and meeting the kids. There would be no problem for Marcus waiting for sex until the person was committed to joining the family if it was actually about the family and not about Marcus's dick, in my opinion. Next up are the Jones family. Sidian is in the Philippines after he just met potential sister wife Ariel and they just had an amazing date night and they headed to bed last episode. And now it's the next day. Ariel says their first night felt natural. They were in the moment and they just let go and went with the flow. And they had sex last night. Sidian feels good about it. He's hoping things with Ariel develop to the point that she becomes a sister wife in the family. Sidian and Ariel are headed to a remote island. Ariel and Sidian are laying on the remote island beach and Ariel asks Sidian to be honest about how things are going. What a shady edit of TLC for the promo for coming up next week, last episode. They edited things to make it look like Sidian said he was feeling like things were awkward and that's not at all what he said. Sidian says things are totally above his expectations because most of the time when you meet someone in person, things can be awkward and things don't feel like that between himself and Ariel. Ariel didn't expect to be this comfortable on the very first night. She feels great and they have a good flow together. Sidian says even the silences between he and Ariel had so much going on. Sidian can see being with Ariel for a really long time. Ariel is physically attracted to Sidian. She likes how nerdy he looks. She likes that he is smart and sweet as well. Ariel is worried about getting too attached because they only have a few days left together before being long distance again. Ariel wants this to work out and she wants to put in the work to make it work. Sidian is glad that Ariel can be the person who shows him these new experiences in this whole new world. At the same time, Sidian is dreading that the vacation will come to an end so soon. Sidian asks Ariel what her thoughts are on potentially becoming his second wife because it's different than just a friendship with Tasha being her sister wife. 
Sidian asks how Ariel sees things playing out for herself. Ariel's been thinking about it since they started dating and she knew polygamy could lead to a lot of complications in the relationship because she hasn't tried it before. But what keeps her faith in the relationship is that she has a good relationship with Sidian and also a good relationship with Tasha. Ariel thinks as long as she and Tasha both respect each other's boundaries, they will be okay. One of Sidian's biggest concerns in bringing Ariel to the States to live with them is that Ariel hasn't been in a polygamist relationship before, and when Sidian and Tasha tried polygamy before, it didn't work out, so Sidian is hoping they can do something different this time. Back to the Epps family, India tells Marcus he wants the freedom, and she is telling him he doesn't have it when it comes to the curfew and dating. Marcus walks away and India tells him, you said you wanted to know how I'm feeling. I'll tell you. India says she knows they never talked about this, but she doesn't necessarily want the person that they meet to become a part of their family and also live with them. She doesn't want the other woman to live with them in the house. She says it's too much estrogen and she doesn't want the other woman to live with them initially because she knows that it takes time to cultivate that relationship with the woman as opposed to someone just jumping right in. Taryn somewhat agrees with India on that. She doesn't want the woman living there, at least not in the beginning. India suggests somebody can live down the street and Marcus wants to know what she means. India says if the new woman moves in with them, Either herself or Taryn needs to move out because two is the number of women who can comfortably coexist in that house. Marcus asks India if she is saying she prefers to not live in the house. Marcus says there were times in his relationship with India where she didn't make him feel stable and comfortable, that regardless of what they were going through, she was going to still be around. So for him, just the mention of anything close to that is a trigger and he takes it as a threat. Marcus asks if India and Taryn are presenting him with the option of one of them not living in his house. Marcus says he doesn't view his relationship with Taryn or with India as something that's just happening for the moment. There's no option for something else to happen in his life that would change the fact that both India and Taryn are his wives and his forever people. So when he hears things like that, it makes him feel as if maybe India and Taryn don't feel the same way about him. Basically, in my opinion, Marcus is trying to use reverse psychology on India and Taryn to manipulate them, saying, you are my forever. It will never change. It's solid from my end. And I now doubt if you feel as I do and if you feel I'm your forever because you guys would be willing to move. Marcus is trying to make them think that their suggestion and words make him feel insecure when he is the one doing it to them, making them insecure over and over. He's accusing them of doing what he constantly does to them. Marcus says hearing things like that trigger him. So he is triggered that one wife may want to go have her own space if another wife comes in. But he doesn't accept that India feels triggered or insecure over his insistence on his dates being organic, meaning having no curfew of 3 a.m. so he can just talk innocently 
to four in the morning if he chooses, and so he can have sex whenever it feels organic to his dick. That triggering and insecurity for India is no big deal. He can talk about rose petals on the bed, knowing her stance on intimacy, and that's fine. He can trigger her all he wants. But India can suggest having her own space if another wife comes in. Then that's a trigger for him because his ego wants all his women in one house, and he could care less how his wives feel about what he is doing. Marcus asks India to come here so he can holler at her for a second. He doesn't say please. He says Come here. I don't like the way he asked India to talk or his tone. India follows Marcus upstairs and Marcus tells her everybody wants their feelings, whatever they are, to be respected. But he feels this is one of those moments where his feelings aren't being respected. Marcus tells India he doesn't want to hear about possibilities that she knows are insecurities for him because she knows when she suggests living elsewhere, it makes him wonder if they are still at that place. What about when Marcus knows the rose petal heart was a trigger for India and he knows it's a trigger and an insecurity for India from a previous discussion where she made it clear, yet still he throws it in her face. Marcus doesn't care about India's feelings or triggers or insecurities, but he wants to call out India and get her in line if he feels triggered or insecure. By what she says, India says she thinks Marcus is triggered by her suggesting she would move out because she threatened moving out in the past when she and Marcus weren't on good terms. India says she did it in that moment to prove a strong point that she didn't want another woman to move in, and that is the extent she would go to ensure that did not happen. India asks if Marcus thinks it triggered her when he brought up the 3 a.m. curfew. India says they can't have somebody else stay at the house. That's the hard line she is putting in the sand. And Marcus asks why India had to say if they are moving in, then she is leaving. India apologizes. She acknowledges she didn't have to say that, but she is simply saying this is where they need to start it. She was trying to prove a point and set a boundary with Marcus, and now he has manipulated her into apologizing to him. Marcus says if the only option for having a sister wife is for one of them to move out so the sister wife can move in, he guesses the only option would be not having a sister wife. Not that the family wouldn't have India. Marcus asks India if she understands how strongly he feels about that. Marcus says the last thing he is doing is doing something to make it so India or Taryn would leave or move. Marcus claims he would shut all of this shit down if that was the case. Marcus feels that should be received in the manner it's being delivered. If that's the truth, why is he trying to sell it like a car salesman? It should be received as it is being delivered. He is trying to qualify it as incredibly serious, when if he was serious, he wouldn't need to do all of this convincing. It's like people who tell you, believe me, or honestly, after everything. If people do that often, doesn't a flag go up to really say, look out for the deception? I don't think he would. I don't think he would put an end to any of this. I think he is just bluffing to make India fall in line. 
If she actually left, I guarantee he wouldn't stop. Maybe for a few months to get her back and then he'd manipulate his way to get back into it, in my opinion only, of course. India says she received it a long time ago. When Marcus tells her it should be received in the manner it is being delivered. So why doesn't India call his bluff and say no more sister wives, no more dating, or I'll go? If India really believes him, as she says, why doesn't she do that? She clearly doesn't want sister wives. She doesn't want to add any more to the family. Both she and Taryn are doing this for Marcus to keep him. So if she believes he is serious, ask him to stop. Tell him you'll go. Go, and he won't stop. Maybe for a month or two, not for long. Next up is the Davis family. Nick is pleased with the weekend getaway. Nick loves to see Jennifer and April and Danielle interact with each other. Nick learned more about Danielle and her past and what things he needs to be aware of, like the fact that Danielle left her boyfriend because she found someone else. Nick says last night was an eventful night. He and Jennifer stayed up late and he has a huge smile because he wants everyone to know he had sex all night. He is so unattractive. So whenever Nick alludes to sex, I literally feel like nauseous, like I want to puke. He doesn't have a good personality. He doesn't have a job. He's not physically attractive. Not that that's that important in the grand scheme of things. He's not charming behind the typical used car salesman sleazy vibes that some women find attractive. It's, to me, a fake put-upon charm that most ego-based people have. In my opinion, there's nothing about him that's appealing sexually or otherwise. Uh, tonight is Danielle's night, and he gives her a kiss, and he grabs her hand, and he suggests they go outside. Nick is sitting Danielle down to have a private conversation. He wants to make sure she gets the way they go about marriage in their situation. Nick had his wives marry each other as opposed to marrying him. And Nick wants to be sure Danielle doesn't have any unreal expectations surrounding marriage to him in the future. Nick tells Danielle he is curious to see how she feels about April and Jennifer being legally married to each other rather than to him, while also taking his last name. Nick asks Danielle what she would think about potentially bringing someone else in so she and that individual could marry each other legally and take Nick's last name as well. Creepy. This gives me very culty vibes, like Nick wants to recruit sets of two women to legally marry each other but take his name. Nick asks if Danielle would be okay with that, with marrying the next woman that he brings on. Danielle just... Nervously nods her head up and down, over and over. Initially, she stays silent, and in confessional, she says, her initial reaction was shock. She wondered why she and Nick wouldn't be married together, and why that would be an issue. Danielle tells Nick she wouldn't say that she's opposed to marrying a sister wife, but it's hard to think that someone would function the way they do, so to be able to have that happen... It's hard to envision because they are all so particular with how they are. So she wonders if they could come across that other woman who is also aligned with what they all want to do. Nick responds that they are all just trying to make this happen. Danielle says understanding that she would be married to another woman other than being married to Nick, there is going to be a little bit of hesitation because Danielle doesn't know 
who the woman would be, and so it's hard to imagine that there would be someone else she would be so in love with and so committed to that would be able to take that position. So it's one of those things that's scary. Nick says his decision not to marry either Jennifer or April was based around a recognition that he didn't want to create any sort of jealousy or situation where one of the women has greater standing with Nick than the other. Jennifer and April joined Danielle and Nick outside and Danielle mentions that she and Nick were discussing their dynamic and she wanted to know how April felt about marrying Jennifer instead of marrying Nick. Jennifer said it was a moment of deciding how they can bring themselves together in a way that solidifies their commitment to each other since both women are unable to legally marry Nick or everyone marrying each other altogether legally is also not a possibility and that's something they would have liked to do. April says, maybe one day the laws will change and they can all legally marry. That's April and Jennifer's goal. Danielle is open to potentially adding another sister wife, but another part of her wants to make sure the way they go about it is particular and everyone's interests are involved. Danielle wants to be sure they go about it in a cohesive way because some of this is outside of her comfort zone. She always did singular dating, so to date plural, it's about what they are all looking for collectively as a whole, and that can be intimidating. I really wish Danielle would just listen to her gut, that little feeling in her gut, those little pauses that she's taking and wondering about things, and just run. My suggestion to Danielle would be to run, but every person has to experience life and learn on their own and make their own choices. At 22, I know if I wanted to do something and my mind was made, whether it was good or bad for me, regardless of what anyone said, I was going to do it and there was nothing that will change my mind. So next up are the Merrifields. Today is move-in day after five months of living in the camper. Danielle is overwhelmed with moving and getting settled in their new home and with all the change going on for them. There's a separate master for Bert and Danielle to share when they aren't with Garrick. And there is thicker insulation in the walls. There's a sound barrier insulation because Garrick's room is right above their bedroom, the sister wife's bedroom. So she hopes nothing is heard. She doesn't want to hear any sex. Communication hasn't been the best with Roberta lately. She knows Danielle and Garrick are moving into the house and that they built the house with her in mind. Garrick and Danielle hoped Roberta would be there to be a part of getting settled and figuring things out and to help decorate too. Danielle suggests that they call Roberta since they're in the new house finally. Danielle says her communication with Roberta is still very limited. She's not messaging. She's not responding. Danielle says she and Garrick know Roberta is the one. Garrick and Roberta have committed, but it feels stressful with the visa and Bert getting to the U.S. Danielle's biggest worry right now is that Roberta is dragging her feet because of her worries and her fears about coming to the U.S. and about all that she has to give up with her mom and her family back home. Danielle worries if Roberta is apprehensive. Roberta doesn't pick up Garrick and Danielle's call. Danielle is concerned with Roberta's inability to communicate, especially in special moments like this. Garrick thinks he's a priority to Roberta and that his family is a priority too. He knows Roberta loves them dearly and she is always trying to help everybody in her family and he thinks that can cause her to get pulled in a lot of different directions. 
Danielle fears whatever it is that hinders Roberta from communicating with them. Danielle knows Roberta loves and cares for them, but she wonders if it means Roberta is wholeheartedly moving forward or not. Garrick thinks it's sad and he's thankful they have God to comfort them and help them through it. Danielle says part of why they built this house was specifically for a plural family. And Danielle feels it's been so many years in the making that she's ready to move forward. And knowing Roberta will be here and that she will be here soon and having her here. And here Danielle is on the verge of tears. She says there's a lot of change going on, but Roberta's visa has been approved. And now she wonders, is it going to happen? Is Roberta going to come to the U.S.? Danielle thinks it's tiresome not knowing. Back to the Davis family. Nick is doing the dishes and he suggests the women change to get in the hot tub. Nick says what he is most looking forward to on this weekend with the three women is having hot tub time. Nick wants to see how the sex flows. At home, April and Jennifer are very accommodating of how Nick feels or how the other feels. They allow for that to take place, so Nick hopes Danielle will be able to fit into that groove as well. Jennifer says, Nick does a good job of helicoptering around his love, making sure his women have that individualized time and attention. But Jennifer thinks it's good for Danielle to see how that goes at different moments. Nick is making out with Jennifer and April and being really flirtatious and touchy, and Danielle seems uncomfortable with it. She's kind of standing in the corner of the hot tub. Nick is ready for action tonight, and he tells the women he doesn't care how they figure out who stays with him. They can coin flip or rock, paper, scissors it, but he's getting some. Nick asks Danielle if she's okay with it. He asks if Danielle felt him slip out of bed in the middle of the night if she would freak out about that. Danielle looks incredibly uncomfortable with it, but she answers no. She says she might be mad if he woke her up, but the whole time that Nick was flirting and kissing his wives, Danielle looked incredibly uncomfortable, and she looked uncomfortable when he mentioned slipping out in the middle of the night for sex with another wife. Nick just said, Basically, I don't care where I stick my dick, but it's going somewhere and you women can work it out. As if he's some hot commodity any woman would want. In my opinion, he's ugly on the inside and on the outside. He acts as if women are put there on earth to satisfy him sexually when he seems and looks like nothing to write home about in any aspect so far. Thankfully, I don't know the guy, but to be fair, we do only see an edited an edited TV show. I have a feeling with Nick, what we see is what we get, but you never know. Danielle admits she has concerns with the relationship and the dynamic during her confessional scene. Danielle worries about making sure she gets the time spent one-on-one -on -one individually with Nick. She says if he was going to be intimate with April and Jennifer in the same night, it might make her jealous that she doesn't have just him to herself. Danielle says she isn't used to this. Jennifer says because their goal is to make sure everyone's needs are met, it makes it easier since it's all something that they all want. April thinks equality among everyone is best, and Nick explains equality means that you want for your other partners the same that you want for yourself. That's equality how they do it. 
April says it's also about learning that not everyone's wants are the same as your wants. Jennifer and April go in and they leave Nick and Danielle alone to have one-on-one time. Danielle wants to have sex with Nick tonight and Danielle says she knows people wonder why April and Jennifer, Nick's wives, would want their husband Nick to have sex with another woman. But they are all mature enough to set things aside that might make some other people uncomfortable because they are all in a relationship together. Danielle wants to be sure she and Nick get to have alone time as well. Nick and Danielle were kissing and it looks so awkward. It really does. The way that they kiss, there's a scene where they're kissing in the hot tub and it looks so weird and awkward. Nick says he feels the weekend is going great, but with the way they operate, he still needs to check in with his wives to make sure they are all still on the same page and moving in the same direction. Next time on Seeking Sister Wife, April tells Brenda she knows what she and Steve's relationship is, but with Brenda, she isn't sure. She knows Brenda is looking for a sister kind of relationship. Brenda says she and April are both so afraid to upset the other person. Nick, April, and Jennifer are all laying in bed together, and they make a space, and they suggest Danielle squeezes in. April says there's a possibility that maybe Danielle isn't fully internalizing the magnitude of what they are asking. April says she can tell they will need to take it slow in introducing Danielle to someone new. Danielle and Garrick FaceTime Roberta. Tomorrow she is emailing immigration. Garrick says he's concerned because the lawyer has been really pressing him. Danielle's sister or friend is sitting with Garrick and Danielle and she tells them she gets concerns about if Roberta really loves them. Marcus tells Janae, Taryn came back home and during that time, he met another girl named India and he is married to both of them. Janae looks like she's not having it. She closes her eyes for a second and then she shakes her head no and she asks, What in the hell does that even mean? I seriously hope Janae hands Marcus his ass. I think he waited to fly her in and cook her dinner and get her the Airbnb because he thought he could get her to agree because he thought he was a catch and the vibe was so good that Janae would overlook the fact that he lives polygamy or that he didn't tell her he wasn't single or that he in fact had two wives. His arrogance and inflated ego betrayed him big time, and I'd love to watch a woman rip Marcus a new one. It would be entertainment at its finest. That does it for this episode. To my YouTube viewers, please like, subscribe, and let me know your thoughts, if you like, in the comments section. This week, look forward to the next episode of Book Club covering the second half of Chapter 6 on Janelle and the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch. Season 3, Episode 1, The Announcement. I know I'll have a lot of thoughts on the baby announcement episode, and I have a delightful thumbnail to match. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon. Bye.